worship you. Lord God, we bring before you these gifts and these tithes and these offerings and ask you to bless them, to give us wisdom to know how to best use them for the furtherance of your kingdom as we desire to have many people drawn to faith in Jesus Christ through the works that will be provided by all the offerings. Lord, we ask especially this morning that you would bless each and every shoebox that's being presented. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name for the children who will receive them. We ask that they would receive them with joy and that they would know that it's because you have called people to give, that you have called people to be a blessing, that they have been so blessed. We ask, Lord God, that in addition to the gifts that they receive and the toys and the books and all of the things that they get, we ask that they receive the most special and amazing gift of all, salvation in you, that they would know and understand how much you love them. Let your love be packed in each and every one of those shoeboxes and let it jump into the hearts of the people who receive them each and every child. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Please be seated and we're going to invite our lay leader, Jan Hodge, to come forward along with the Grimmer family um, whose children are being baptized this morning. What a blessing. Mom up. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we celebrate the new birth by water and the Spirit through the sacrament of baptism as we become members of Christ's holy church. On behalf of the church, I present Abigail Jean Grimmer and Evelyn Ann Grimmer for baptism. These questions are for the parents. You reject the evil powers of this world, repent of your sin. And accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist Satan. If so, answer by him. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and promise to serve as Christ's representative through faithful participation in his church? If so, answer by him. Will you nurture these children in Christ's holy church and by teaching and example lead them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior? If so, answer by him. And will you sponsor this child and these children, encourage them in their Christian faith. If so, answer we will. And will you, the Church of Christ, renew your own vows of commitment to Christ and accept your responsibility to assist these parents in fulfilling their vows? If so, answer we will. We take that seriously, so you were supposed to really help them. Okay? Babysitting. Let's quote this one. <laughs> Diaper changing, I heard. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
Gene Grimmer. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord bless you to stand on this. Amen. You can get your picture. <laughs> Shall we welcome our newest members into the family of God? Christmas, Lord, 
brings up those memories. There are also those, Lord, whose losses are fresh and new. We just pray in Jesus' name in all circumstances that by your Spirit you draw close to each and every grieving soul. We ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you cover them with your feathers. Shelter them, Lord. Bring comfort by your spirit and help them. We pray that you bring them good and beautiful memories of blessed times. And we pray that you bring them hope of eternal life and salvation. Father, we pray for our church. And not only this fellowship here at Pendleton Center, Lord, but also your church throughout the world that you have made. We pray that you help us, Lord, to know how to better love you. With all of our hearts, with all of our souls, our minds, and our strength, that we would be the servants you have called us to be. That we would love you the deep divine love that out of the love we have for you you would allow your spirit to work in us and through us to touch others to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ and to reach beyond Lord God to our neighbors the neighbors that you call our share your love and draw others toward you. As we worship this morning, just allow the word of God as it is read, the music as it is sung, and the songs and the words, the prayers, everything, Lord God, allow it to wash over us and transform us into the people you have intended for us to be. Be with Pastor Tom as he delivers the message you have given him for us. Give us all, Lord God, hearts to receive everything that you have for us this day, that we may share with others. Give us hearts of worship for you, Lord God, of worship and love, that we may bless you. <coughs> That is why we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shall we hear from the word of the Lord? Thank you. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, Levi, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he stood and took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told himself, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jim. And the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Evelyn was struggling with self-control. She wanted to go to church school, and she had to stay in the big room longer than she wanted to stay. And so I came up to talk to her and just started, you know, to help her to understand what was going on. And she turned to me and she said, Shh. <laughs> what a joy. Last week, we were talking about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the discipline or self-control that that takes in the word of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit we talked about last week was self-control. How do we discipline our lives? How do we have the control that we can love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength? Not one of them, or a few of them, but all of them. And this week, I want to talk about the fifth one, kindness. Kindness. And the second command, which is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. I don't know what your days are like. My days are quite scheduled, generally. Uh, it seems like I have something on the calendar from morning to night, typically. Yesterday morning, I woke up and, and uh, got up a little early because I had a meeting over in Niagara Falls. Uh, so I got up, got myself dressed, and, you know, do the things we all do in the morning. And then my grandson was staying over, so I made him pancakes and bacon and had it sitting on the counter. I went in to wake him up before I left so he could eat his breakfast. And I went over to my meeting, which lasted until about 12, 30, 1 o'clock, and I came home and I woke my grandson up so he could eat his breakfast. <laughs> then we visited for a little bit, not very long, because then it was time to go over to the middle school play. So we went over to see the middle school play, got back just in time to drop him off, and come back over here to do worship, and then the things that followed through the day. It seems as if their breathing spaces in life have started to shrink. Anybody else feel that? Those spaces we used to have where there was room, there was time to do more, just don't seem to be there anymore. We go from thing to thing to thing. And when an interruption comes, we find ourselves frustrated, aggravated, struggling to even be able to attend to them. But the 
problem is the interruptions oftentimes are the very reason why we're here. We were complaining about this once on a retreat with a bishop, and he said, you need to understand the interruptions are the ministry. We have it on the back wall of our sanctuary from Hebrews chapter 13. Don't be neglectful to entertain strangers, because in doing so, you might find yourself entertaining angels unaware. The purpose of this life is, kind of got that down, right? So this fellow came up and said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Kind of an important question. But he didn't ask, what must I believe? He didn't ask, what should I think? He, he asked, what do I have to actually do? What are the things that I could do? And if I did them, I can make a claim on eternity. Follow an inheritance. It's mine. So what do I have to do to make God give me eternal life? And Jesus gave him an answer. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. See how Luke messes it around with it just confuses us. And love your neighbor as yourself. The great commands, if we keep them all, if we do every single thing God has, every rule, and never break one of them, you can actually demand eternal life. <laughs> if we can keep all of them. This fellow knew that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, as the Bible says. So it says he wanted to justify himself. And so he asked, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? How do I know if I'm loving my neighbor? See, it's easy to talk about the law. It's a little harder to actually live it out. And loving our neighbors means loving the people in our lives that may not be the ones we want to. Have you ever had a neighbor that you didn't like? I shouldn't say it, but I have. You know those neighbors that when they walk out the door, you walk in yours? Or when you see them out in the street, you wave quickly and get by them as fast as you can? I don't know why, but there's some people we just don't really care to be around. Maybe it's the way they look, or the way they smell, or the things they do, or, or we don't know what it is, right? But there's some people that the very presence of them causes us to want to go, I don't think so. And so, how do we love the people that are hard to love? How do we love people who are struggling and troubled and have difficulties in this life? It's easy to love the ones that we enjoy being around. It's easy to love the ones that we, 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 we find are useful in our lives and we're happy to see. So Jesus gave an answer to the story and it was the Parable of the Good Samaritan, which probably I haven't preached on in about 15 years. There was this guy. He went from Jericho, or Jerusalem, down to Jericho. And Jericho was sort of like a, a real wild city. A lot of criminals lived there. So along the way, some robbers got a hold of him, beat him up, took off a lot of his clothes, maybe all of them, we don't know, and left him a bloody mess and stole everything he had as he laid in the ditch. Jesus said three people walked by. The first was a Levite. Now, you may not know what a Levite is because that's not a term we use a lot. A Levite is somebody who works in the church. Okay? So like, you know, Abraham or somebody like that. He, he, he came along and saw this guy in the ditch side, I think so, and walked on the other side. And then it says a priest came along. Okay? 
So like, you know, Pastor Sherry was coming down the road, and she saw this guy's attic, so walked on the other side of the road. When it says a Samaritan came along, then we go, oh, Samaritans, they're good. But that's the only reason we think they're good is because of this parable. In the day when this story was told, people didn't think very much about Samaritan. Samaritans were the people you want to be around the least. Okay? The Jewish people would go a hundred miles out of their way to avoid these people. That's true. Because they didn't like the Samaritans. They didn't like whose children they were. They didn't like their belief system. They didn't like their political views. You know people, because you can find them real easy right now. Right? The people that, that, that believed and thought everything the opposite of what the Jewish people thought and believed. And one of those guys comes along. And he comes over to this guy. And he bandages him up. I don't know where he got the bandages from because, you know, it's not, not like they carried first aid kits in those days, so probably off his own clothes. He put him up on his own donkey, which means he had to walk. He took him to an inn. I don't think it was a spa resort and probably like, you know, you know, a Super 8 or something like that. One of those ones where they keep the light out all night. Right? And he paid the innkeeper to take care of him. Now, now that doesn't mean give him a room. That means to take care of a guy who just got beat up. So that costs a little extra. And he said, if it costs more, I'll pay you the difference when I come through the next time. Which means, by the way, he probably was a fairly wealthy guy because, after all, otherwise the guy wouldn't have trusted his credit. The good Samaritan. It's an interesting story. And whenever we hear these little stories about Jesus in the Bible, the first thing we do is we start to question, who are we in the story? Who do we see ourselves in? Maybe some of you see yourself as a guy in the ditch who just got robbed. You feel like life is just beating you up. That people are always taking advantage of you and, and ripping you off. And every time you turn around, you're being pounded down. And you're truly a victim of this culture, this world, this society. And you might feel that way. And I can understand why some people do feel that way. Or maybe you think you're the robbers. You know, maybe you like to take advantage of people and pound on them and, you know, get your way and take what you want, whether it belongs to you or not. I hope not. But we could have some robbers in the church. It's possible. You know, it's conceivable. Get a big enough crowd of folk. It's likely some of you could even be robbers. Maybe you think you're the religious people. You know, the Levite and the priest, like Pastor Sherry and Adrian, you know? I think a lot of people tend to think they're the Good Samaritan. But what that would mean is people don't like you. People don't like what you say, they don't like who you are, they don't like looking at you, they don't even want to be around you. But you're the person who takes time for other people when nobody wants to take time. Hmm. Who are we in the story? in our lives. Some of us would just say, well, we don't live in a culture like that anymore. We pay people to take care of that kind of stuff. Where were the ambulance folks? Where were the first responders when all this was going on? Well, they're probably busy with their schedule, right? You know, my wife is in the military. We've been talking a little bit about the military the last couple of weeks. The purpose of the United States military 
is to protect us from bad guys, right? And I'm glad they're there, because that really makes me feel good that there's some people that keep those bad guys from hurting us. But that's not all they do. They do other stuff. So my wife belongs to something called 107th Air National Guard Unit. And when Western New York was going, well, you know, a little more than this white stuff, this is what they were doing. Man. We think of pity as a bad thing. 
feel angry at someone, if we turn that to mercy, to pity, to kindness, see, we think pity in a bad way, but what they're really talking about is they looked at this person with compassion. In Matthew, Jesus says, learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have come to call, not call the righteous, but sinners. God wants us to have mercy. And I will tell you, if you have mercy, it probably will mean sacrifice as well. Do you think that those soldiers had nothing else to do? Do you, you think they didn't have homes that needed shoveling and snow plowing, that they didn't have families or jobs to do? But they went off to do this, not because they had to, but because they felt that they should. I'm kind of proud of them for that. It's good Samaritan. Himself messy, working with a guy in the ditch all bloodied up. He had to end up ripping his own clothes. He loaded this guy in the Lexus, I mean, on his donkey, so that he hadn't have had to walk. He went to a, a, a motel, hotel again, paid for the guy to be taken care of, put his own reputation on the line, but out of his way. And Jesus says, That's what it means to be a neighbor. Usually when God puts angels in our pathway, we don't see it and we don't want to do it. Last Thursday night I was at a dinner over in Niagara Falls and I was expecting to be back here to rehearse music at 7 o'clock for worship. So that when I play the music, I don't play weird chords or something and you know, you're all going, oh, what was that? Right? Okay? So it was, it was about 20 after 6. And this woman came up to me and said, my friend, she's, she's sick, and she really needs a ride home. I thought, oh, this is an easy win, right? Easy good Samaritan. Where does she live? Right around the corner. Oh, no problem, I'll give her a ride home. Well, she has a baby, and she has no car seat. So I'm going around the church asking people if they have a car seat. Like, people just carry them around, right? Which they don't, by the way. So, I did that for about five minutes and said I couldn't find a car seat, and then I kind of made myself disappear in the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't there. Like, she could have to figure out something while I disappeared, because I gotta go! I got a place I gotta be. I'm supposed to be here. People will be waiting for me. A friend came up and said, I got an idea. I said, well, it better be a quick idea, because I only have ten minutes. And she said, okay, okay. What, what I was figuring is that you could take my friend home and get a car seat and come back while I watch the children. The children, wait, I thought there was a baby. Now there's three of them. A boy about this big, a little toddler about this big, and a little baby. Really? There's three of them. So I said, okay, okay, let's go, let's go. So we get in the car, and we drove her to her house, which was about a mile away. In the city, we're not talking out here, we're a mile, it's like, talking in the city's not the whole lights of it. Right? She goes in the house and get the car seat. I don't know some people walk so slow in front of her. Have you ever seen that? You know, you're thinking, oh, bitch, get the light out! And she's got this car seat that looks like a home of bananas. I'm thinking, that's not a car seat. I don't know what it is. Who's your seat? But I'm 
these, these agenda items that come our way and we think they've got to be. And it's not that they're bad. There's nothing wrong with it. And it's good for me to rehearse music, believe me. But at some point in life, God puts interruptions in our life. And we need to take a moment to do what God calls us to do. That's what makes us neighbors to the world. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I can tell you, I am proud of this church in many ways. You do just that.
retirement goods, but my wife's retirement goods. <laughs> These aren't hers. Somebody asked me that. Really? Or what is she that big? Because there's so many things required of us. But in the book of Micah, 
it says in chapter 6, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. How do we inherit eternal life? See, this, this passage begins with the man trying to test Jesus, in, the, in essence, testing God, with a question, and in the end, it ends with God testing us. Will we go and do as this man did? He wanted to justify himself. We aren't justified by what we do. We're going to fall short. We're going to walk on the wrong side of the road, sometimes at the wrong time. We're going to make the wrong judgment because, fortunately, we don't justify ourselves. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 2, it says to us, No, that a person is not justified by what they do, the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Not by what we do. Our justification, our eternal life, our salvation comes by our belief and our trust in God. Because if we tried to be perfect by ourselves, we'd fall short. But God himself has said if we confess our sins and repent, he will forgive us and make us perfect again.
Sometimes it feels like the little things we do, a shoebox here, or, or a meal there, or helping with this program or that program, couldn't possibly make a difference in this huge world with all its problems and difficulties. You ever see these, these shows on TV where these, these sea creatures get beached? Whales and dolphins and things like that. And these things weigh a lot. And, and then you get a bunch of people together and they kind of try to push them back in the ocean. There's a guy walking along the beach and he sees these people trying to push this big sea creature back into the, into the ocean. And he says, you look at the, do you think it would make any difference? The way that the tides are, the way the world has gone, and, and the climate change and everything else, these, these creatures are being beached all over the place. Do you think you'll make any difference at all? And they push one off into the water and they say, we made a difference with that one. See, you may not be able to change the whole world, but you can make the difference with one poor young woman who needs a ride in the middle of the night. Or some little child somewhere in the world who just wants to know someone loves them. Or maybe, maybe it's your neighbor, real neighbor, who needs their driveway plowed out. need somebody to take a phone call when you don't want to talk to someone. Or a friend who just needs to talk through the troubles and difficulties. Maybe we can't fix the whole world. We can at least make a difference. And when we do that, we show up what God expects us to be. And by the way, don't be surprised that when you entertain strangers,
is that we don't trust in the actions of our hands, but in the mercy of our God, that we can fail. And God said that he can still love us, not just here, but all the way into eternity. So let's confess our sins and seek God's grace. Dear God in heaven, I have sinned.
love us not because of what we've done, to teach us not because we deserve them, to grant us miracles and blessings and hope and even eternal life, not because of who we were, but because of who He was. He took care of us and nurtured us and blessed us. And the people attacked Him. He finds room for grace for all those who turned to him. So even on the night when he knew he'd be betrayed, he took the bread, he gave thanks to God, and he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you, for the forgiveness of sin. Eat of this, remembering me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of this, remembering me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offered for us. As we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ is died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Pour out your spirit. On all of us gathered here, pour into us the spirit of the Good Samaritan, that we might care for the poor, that we might help those in need, that we might be thankful and show our thanksgiving to you for all the blessings you've given to us by blessing the world in return. Make us your hand, make us your feet, make us your boots on the ground, and help us to be God incarnate as we offer our prayers in the name of the Father. Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let us join together and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For those who are assisting at the table, come forward at this time, please.
as forgiven children of God, we are all welcome at the table of the Lord. It doesn't matter if this is your first time here, you come here all the time. God invites you to the table of grace. Come and join us at the table at the rail for prayers for healing, anointing, the light of candles. wasn't room for me under all these little boxes over here. By the way, if you want to help with these, they're going to pack them up, pack them in a truck right after church. So don't be surprised if you see a whole lot of people running in here to grab boxes out. We'd love to have you be part of the chaos, too. And you might have seen Miss Kitchen Hughes roaming around here. She was here to communion. I saw her. She helps with all these outreach things. She's one of those Levites. So if you'd like to know more about the outreach <laughs> ministries to, to do, she doesn't walk on the other side of the road. She walks in um, you can go and talk to her and she'd be glad to do it. Let's take a moment and sing with our closing song, Crown Him with Many Crowns. 